You're listening to Creatives Making Money, the podcast for creatives who are on a mission to do the work they feel most called to do and make some money while they do it. This is a show for the makers, the dreamers, the doers, the creators, the artists, the crazy ones, and the ones who are determined to consciously build the life and career of their dreams. Here, we don't just believe in getting your dream job, we believe in creating it. So what does creative success even look like? How do we live a fully expressed, abundant AF life? That's precisely what we're here to find out. My mission with Creatives Making Money is to conduct 100 interviews with successful creatives and those who love and support them about money, career, and the process of making and doing what they most love, including all of the ups, downs, and in-betweens. I'm your host, Jamie Jensen, writer, storyteller, filmmaker, serial entrepreneur, and shameless creator. No matter where you are in your creative and financial journey, I'm here to help you create like you mean it. Welcome to Creatives Making Money. I have a very exciting guest with us today who's going to talk all about e-commerce, Shopify, and how to sell your products and goods online so you can be super, super profitable. Grace is a Shopify seller and educator with over 15 years of retail experience. Her expertise is in email marketing and creating irresistible promos that keep money flowing into your business. She is an e-commerce expert and is here to talk all about how you can take a product you love and make money selling it online. Grace, thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I'm excited. I have so many questions for you. Um, so first, like let's, so you are a Shopify seller yourself in addition to, you know, educating other Shopify sellers and aspiring Shopify sellers. How did you start your business initially? Like how did the Bali market come into, come into being? So I started the Bali market after I was doing um, a handmade business. So if that was the one that I really started using Shopify for, I had just had a baby. I decided that I could start making this product that worked really well as a, as a new mom. And then after I had my second, I was like, handmade is not going to work for me. So I was using Turkish towels, which is what the Bali market is all about. I was using that product myself and I decided I wanted to have my own line and I sourced them straight from Turkey and started selling them on, I actually started on Amazon, realized that I wanted to take more control of the business. I wanted to be able to manage the brand story and really connect with my customers. And so I got on Shopify and I've been doing that for over four years. It's one of two Shopify businesses that I have, and then also a Shopify education. Amazing. What was the handmade business? They were necklaces for moms, for babies to grab onto. Mm -hmm. oh, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just so curious. I'm like, I don't think I know this part of your story that there was like a handmade product before the Turkish towel business. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, I did actually that on Etsy and Shopify. Uh, so it was a really good uh, way to kind of test the waters of Shopify before I really invested in, in a bigger business like the Bali market. Mm -hmm. Can you 
Can you speak to like Shopify versus Etsy and your experience there? Because I feel like that's a big question people have when they want to sell their own stuff online. Like what's the benefit of Shopify? You know, why is that your choice in terms of platform? Yeah, they're really, really different. And each one has, you know, pros and cons. And with Etsy, the nice thing was the built-in traffic. People were coming to Etsy already. I didn't need to drive any of the traffic. Um, but because I didn't own that platform, right? It's Etsy and they're the ones driving the traffic and they're the platform. I wasn't able to have control over my customers. So where selling on Etsy is, I, I liken it to being in a farmer's market or any other kind of marketplace where you have a booth and you're selling um, within that market. And then Shopify is really just a tool. It's a, a platform to help you build your own store. So the biggest pro and con that I see between the two is that, so Etsy has the built-in traffic, which is nice and easy. But when someone buys from Etsy, they typically say they bought it on Etsy. They don't remember your brand. And so no one says they bought their Turkish towels on Shopify when they bought bought it from me, they say they bought it from the Bali market. So that's the biggest difference and really the pro for Shopify, um, along with a lot of other things like analytics and just like really powerful retail resources that are available through Shopify. Yeah. And in terms of Amazon, because I feel like we keep coming back to this idea of like, how can you capture the most data analytics, have the most control, have the, you know, how can you kind of preserve your own brand and have the most impact, you know, in terms of the front, like in front of your clients and also behind the scenes in your own business That's sort of what we're coming back to is like why Shopify is the most powerful sort of platform engine and way to grow. Uh, can you just speak a little bit more to your experience selling on Amazon? Yeah, Amazon was great for really vetting the product. I put up a few listings and started getting sales. Of course, there was there was work to get those sales, but um, once the reviews were coming in, I was able to start. I my listing was on the first page of Amazon when you search Turkish towels. So I, it was great, but then I sold out, and Amazon did not like that, and so I was paying a lot of money to to have my listings on Amazon, they take a big chunk. And then I had done all this work to get on the first page and then I got penalized for kind of doing well is how I saw it. Like I was selling and now once I got back in stock, I was, I was hidden. I, so it felt like, you know, it's, it's a really good platform to test the waters on. I got the five-star reviews. I knew I was onto something. So again, like I was able to have the confidence to, really jump into Shopify and take on that bigger task of building my own brand. What do you think are the like first maybe three to five things that, you know, an aspiring e-commerce business owner needs to keep in mind or take on in terms of like, when you talk about taking the leap to build your own brand and that like bigger challenge? Yeah. I, so the biggest way to be successful really on any of these platforms is to have a product that people actually want. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's just like the look. Sorry, I can see her face. You guys can't, but the look on her face when she said that was really funny. <laughs> like, um, maybe just like sell something people want. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm Grace Hayden. Bye. 
<laughs> it kind of is as simple as that because yeah. when you when you saw when you have a product that people are just really want to get their hands on, it makes it so much easier. And the way to do that is to kind of instead of thinking about what you want to sell first, really think about who you want to serve and the person that has a problem that you can solve. And you, you may have even heard this before because a lot of people talk about this, but it's so important. And if you skip this step, it's, it's just going to make it so much harder as you try to grow your business because you don't know who you're selling to. And when you know who that person is, everything becomes easier. The first product, the, the complimentary products, the copy that you're writing, the emails that you send, where you show up, like all those pieces come together when you know who you're selling to and that you have a product that, that meets their needs or solves a problem for them. So that's like, that's number one, start there. Um, number two is before you like jump into this, talk to people, make sure that you're on the right track, get some excitement going for the business before you launch. Because I see this all the time, people kind of building this business in a bubble because it's really scary to talk about something that you haven't launched yet. And you're going to come up against people who tell you your idea is stupid and because they don't get it. And so when you kind of put that out there into the world before you really feel ready, it's super scary, but you have to because you can't build in a bubble because you're going to make a bunch of mistakes. And if you had just talked to people, you'd get a ton of feedback that helps you really start and launch successfully. Yeah, that's brilliant. Do you remember being in that stage with Bali Market? Yes. Oh my gosh. I remember launching and it was like crickets and it's the worst feeling. And go, I mean, going back, if I could have done anything different, that's what it would have been because I was selling on Amazon. And so I felt like, oh, I've already made a bunch of sales. I have all these reviews. Like, of course, people are just going to show up and buy these towels now. <laughs> and that's not how it works. I needed to have uh, an email list or some sort of way to bring in traffic right away. And that, if I would have had that, even, even the first couple of days would have been different. I did quickly, <laughs> quickly figure out a way to start bringing in traffic. So I, I was able to turn it around quickly by using kind of some other resources to, to drive traffic to my store. What's been your favorite way to drive traffic? My favorite is through, well, I have a couple, but I love, I love podcasts. I, I really do. And in the beginning, I, my towels were featured on a podcast that was really in the niche of the target market customer I was looking for. And that brought in sales right away. And then I was able to use that podcast as like, you know, I was on media, you know, a media feature and it started to not just the podcast itself, but being able to say, hey, I was featured on here, I was sponsoring this, and just having that media presence made me look bigger and more trustworthy right away. Another way is to get featured on other people's blogs, and that's gonna drive traffic to your store as well, and that, that worked for me. I was featured on Apartment Therapy um, within the first couple of days of launching, and so that was a big, feature that brought traffic right away. And then Google starts to notice you too, right? Like I was featured on apartment therapy. So Google was like, oh, this must be a trustworthy store. 
So getting those trustworthy backlinks, they're called, um, through other people's blogs, that's a great way to drive traffic. And then of course, having blog posts on your own site. Um, it's, it's a little bit of a longer process, but really good blogs have brought in tons of traffic and tons of sales to my store as well. Yeah. That's like, that's sort of the, that's the crosswords where you and I met was like yes. with your blog. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So Grace and I met because was it story school was the first way that we like connected maybe? I think so. Yeah. I purchased yeah. story school. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then we sort of worked together in that program and like we played with your blogs. That was like our first I think point of focus, right? was like the blog content. Yes. Yeah. I, I, instead of kind of going broad or like simple with the blog of, of, you hear it all the time, you have to be consistent and post every day. And it was like, that didn't make sense to me. I instead focused on one really good blog post that I knew people would um, attract buyers of Turkish towels. And so I wrote this and then Jamie and I, we went over it and she just, she made it. <laughs> she made it work. Let's be real. <laughs> so now it's, that is my biggest traffic and conversion driver. That one blog post that we worked on together. I find that. So, I mean, like, obviously I'm excited that I got the opportunity to work on that with you, but I think that that's such a, like, to me, I feel like that's one of your standout strategies is like, you were like, people are always saying create tons of content. And you just sort of knew if you focused on like doing like focusing on quality content um, and, and sort of marrying that with your other traffic strategies that you, you kind of invented something to some extent, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. Cause then like no you like made a blog, a sales page, like, <laughs> like that's kind of the, what ended up happening, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Really no cool, one actually. was talking about that. It was always like, Oh, you have to have fresh content every day. And I was like, it's just me. Like I can't do all of this. And I guess the interesting thing is the Bali market's whole message is about simplifying your life. And so even just taking on kind of that approach made sense. Like I'm just going to produce less, but it's going to be really, really good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's like um, very much your, your brand values and your brand standard. It really is. And it's served me well for like who my target market is. And then just also how I run the business. Yeah. In terms of your journey in kind of creating and growing the Bali market, what are some things that have surprised you the most? I think that I held myself back more than anything else. So I am the one who makes it harder <laughs> to grow. Um, I mean, just even recently, I, I wasn't able to keep up with orders and I was fulfilling all the orders myself, which is absolutely crazy, especially four years in. And it was to a point where I didn't want to grow because I couldn't keep up with this, the orders myself. And so how, you know, how silly there's, there's services out there <laughs> that will fulfill orders for you. And it's not too hard to find. So I finally got set up with a fulfillment center that was local and, took that off my plate and now I can focus on growing. And now it's like all these new things have popped up where it's like, oh yes, I you know, this is going to grow the business a lot simpler than even the ways I was approaching it before. What do you think are the sneaky ways that you got in your own way? Oh gosh. I mean, they're everywhere. We, I mean, we always tell ourselves like we're not good enough, right? That's just something that's always in the back of our mind or being afraid to fail. Um, 
So it's really, a lot of it is mindset issues and not, it has nothing to do with capabilities. We're all capable of kind of doing what we want in this sense. And yeah, for me, it really was just kind of telling myself, well, you know, you shouldn't get too big or if you get too big, what if you fail? And that's way scarier than staying small. So I think just those are the biggest things that get in my way. Yeah. Do you see that with the people you, you work with who are like aspiring Shopify sellers or are like newer in their businesses too? Yeah, I guess what I see in them or in, in others, and it, it's a common thing is kind of is thinking small. And again, that is that mindset of, or being worried about something that isn't actually what you need to be worried about. So I, I like to push people to really think, I guess, even with like that blog post that I did, right? That's thinking really differently. And it doesn't have to be thinking bigger to be more work, but it's like, what is the big umbrella piece that if you did this would just make everything kind of fall in place a little bit simpler? Mm-hmm. What are you, what do you, what are the worries that people make up that, that aren't a thing that they need to worry about yet that you see? Cause you say that and I'm like, Ooh, what's an example of that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I do this too, but I, you know, worrying about getting bad reviews. Um, so that is something I, you're going to get bad reviews, right? Like everyone does the biggest companies in the world. And so being really afraid of getting bad reviews will keep you small because it is that exposure. Once you put yourself out there, you do start to get feedback from people that doesn't feel great. And sometimes that feedback is really helpful, right? Sometimes that feedback makes you grow better, makes your business better. And sometimes that feedback is just nasty and you have to be able to brush it off and being able to understand and kind of recognize the difference between the two, that there are some people that are just out there to be nasty and they're not your customer. And to be able to, to get those bad energy off of you, because it does affect you when someone is mean it affects you, right? Like your blood pressure raises, like your heart races, and you just like, it just, it's like the fight or flight. But being able to kind of shut that down and realize, no, this isn't my person. This isn't what I'm about. And this doesn't affect me or my business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How do you encourage your students to overcome that? It's really hard. It's, again, it's so much of it is mindset, but I, continuing to encourage to just put yourself out there because then you realize it's not as bad as you thought it was going to be, right? Once you're out there and you start to get some good feedback or you just, you don't get any feedback and that's fine. Um, (laughs) You know, sometimes you hear crickets, but, um, but once you put yourself out there, it, you start to realize it's not as bad as you thought it was going to be like anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it just takes time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You start to realize what matters and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. In terms of like, cause you have so much retail education and experience and you've translated that into e-commerce and I can't, you know, to me, I'm like, you know, so much that's like business retail business foundations. Do you feel like there are missing pieces in terms of what people are learning for like online and e-commerce? And there's like gaps in terms of like, Oh, these are the standard retail business foundations that like 
have to be in place and we're skipping over them and we really need to come back to them? Or do you feel like it's pretty concrete in terms of what else you're seeing? No, the, the biggest thing that's missing is really understanding the business fundamentals of retail. Like retail is a, is a business. I, I went to school for it. Like I have, <laughs> I have a retail degree. So it's a real business that you have to understand kind of that, that foundational pieces. It's not about, you know, how do you, how much should I post on Instagram? You know, that Instagram didn't exist for, for most of retail's existence. So that's not the piece that's going to make your business grow. It's understanding your product, which I talked about needing your needing to know who your target market is. So understanding what your product is and who it's for and what problem it's solving, and then understanding how you're going to um, price that product and how to price it so that a customer is, is happy with that value and you're also making a profit. And then where are you going to sell? So you need to have a place to sell your product and choosing the right place that makes sense for you and where your customer wants to shop. And then, um, then we can get into the promotion of the business. So I think, so with that outline, promotion is last, but I think a lot of times we want to jump right to promotion without first fully understanding, is this the right product at the right price and in the right place? I love that. Yeah. Can you give me examples of like, so we talked about like different platforms, but is there another example of place or another way of looking at that in terms of e-commerce that we haven't touched on yet? Yeah. Well, so it's good to be in multiple places. So it's called omnichannel and a lot of big businesses who even start on e-commerce eventually move into brick and mortar. And it, I'm not saying that you should go open a store, but thinking about how can I get into stores? So uh, having a wholesale channel. So now all of a sudden you're expanding your reach into local markets by getting into different boutiques. Um, you can sell on, this sounds funny, but you know, you can sell on Instagram stories. Like it can be really casual. You can sell in person to friends and family. Even you can run different promotions for them or, you know, have, you know, house parties and you have friends come over and they buy (laughs) from you. And, and these are really great ways in the beginning to start bringing in the revenue, getting that cash flowing and getting feedback right away. So if you have people Coming over, I know we're like coronavirus time right now, um, but when you um, can safely sell to someone directly, you're going to get feedback, which is going to help you grow in the other areas if you're selling on Shopify or any other e-commerce platform. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like, and this is just an intuitive projection, really, and, you know, just your your instincts business-wise, like, do you feel like there's a future for in-person retail with, like, in a like post COVID world? I do. I think there's a, there's some help that needs to have, there's some changes that need to happen. Um, the biggest frustration that I personally have with, with in-person is just the limited hours that they seem to have. I, I don't understand why boutiques want to be open from nine to five when Most people are working nine to five. So really adjusting to what the customer wants, creating different experiences in the store that make sense, um, because that's something 
e-commerce has a little bit harder time doing. I mean, you can create experiences on your site, but that's definitely something that brick and mortars can um, do better. But people like to touch, feel, and see things, and I don't see it going away, but there's a lot of retailers who are kind of stuck in an old model that, that isn't working. And I think we're going to see a lot of those older retailers who are, haven't made changes. I think we're going to see them go away and we're going to start seeing really fresh new companies, even like Away or Warby Parker, right, where they started online only, they're now getting into that brick and mortar. So they are seeing that it works, but they're, they're definitely approaching it with a much better um, strategy than what my gap is doing. Mm -hmm. So I love this. This is brilliant. What, walk me through like your dream brick and mortar. Like how would you run it? Ooh, I don't know. Brick and mortar is something that I have no interest in actually doing but I fully enjoy shopping in brick and mortar. <laughs> um, one, one experience that I really have enjoyed and I would, I would do something similar is Bonobos. Uh, you walk in and when you buy all these heavy clothes, you know, it's men's clothing. So I go in, pick out everything for my husband. They're all the clothes are there. You can touch, feel, see them. They order it for you and it gets, you know, next day delivered to your house. So now when I'm out shopping, which I like to, you know, bop around to different stores, I'm not carrying around, you know, a big heavy bag of men's denim. And that, and that clothing also hasn't been touched and felt and tried on by other people. So it's brand new in the, in the bag when it gets delivered to our house. So that is something I would, if, if I had a retail store, I, I would use that approach. And so then they're also just using one uh, fulfillment center. Now they're not stocking each store with all this inventory that can get damaged or stolen, right? Inventory management is a huge issue. It's a ton of work and inventory is really expensive. So if you can kind of simplify that process and just have one fulfillment center that's fulfilling orders for all the stores and your e-commerce store, that's amazing. Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah, That's like genius. Yeah. So that, yeah, I mean, that's like, whoa, big, big stuff down the road, but not really anyone can use a fulfillment center. So why not? Yeah. I'm also thinking now about like the hours too, that you point out, you're like, everyone works nine to five. And I'm like, that's so true. Right. Yes. So yeah. if you were going to like, yeah, I mean, do you think that stores should be open in the evenings and early mornings and lunch hours? Like, what do you think is, what do you think, where are we going for yeah. to make stores like makes sense. All of that. I mean, it depends on who your customer is. We have, there's a shop. I live in Scottsdale. There is a shop in Old Town Scottsdale that is always open at night. So when we go out to dinner and we want to walk around and go shopping after, it's the only store that's open. And I'll tell you, they have since opened a new location right across the street from them. So they are growing because of this. They are the only ones that you can shop. And so, yeah, you have to be open when people are out, especially if you're in an area where people are out to dinner. It's like, you have to be open. That's when people are there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know why I've never thought of that, but it could be because I have not spent my life working in retail, you know? Yes. <laughs> 
you're a genius. Um, <laughs> are there any other like big mistakes you see people making when they're starting their, their first shop? Yeah, the biggest one is not starting an email list right away. So that feels sometimes like, oh, that's a someday thing, or I'm not big enough yet, or who would be on my email list? But you have to start from day one, really, you know, you start before you even launch your store, growing that email list, because it grows really slowly. Even if you're adding one person a day, after 30 days, you have 30 email subscribers. And so it really starts to snowball. And once you have those 30, like you start to get better at collecting emails and you get better at email marketing and all of that against snowballs. Uh, for me, like almost 50% of my sales come directly from email. So it's, it's a really effective way to get sales for your store. Yeah, that's major. If, okay. So if I was overwhelmed by everything you just, I listened to you share today and I'm like, uh, but what's my first like three steps? <laughs> Number one, join Grace's Facebook group. <laughs> yes, that's super helpful. <laughs> join the, the Shopify Cocktail Club. Yes, yeah, Shopify yes. Cocktail Club. So I just remember the Shopify and the cocktails, just shopping and drinking. That's like what I've got. That's what I remembered. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. <laughs> yeah, Shopify Cocktail Club. So obviously that's step one. And what else, what like, because you're great at simplifying things. This is part of your superpower. <laughs> What else would you have someone do first before they like get in their own way and, uh, and overwhelm themselves? So before I would even think about what product I was going to sell, I would really start to understand what community I want to serve and how can you connect with that community without even thinking about how are the, am I going to get them to pay me? What can I create? How can I connect with these people without expecting anything in return? Because when you approach it like that, it just becomes so much easier. The what you'll sell becomes so much clearer and it just it's just like a natural progression. So if you have a blog or you already have some sort of community that you're serving, great. You know, start with that. You can even start like a Facebook group that is you know, related to some sort of interest that, that you'd want to um, start a community around or just, you know, join Facebook communities where you think, okay, this is the type of group I want to, to work with and starting with that. So start with the person, forget about the product, forget about how am I going to make money and really start to understand that person before you get too much further. Yeah. So good. So, so good. So, I have to ask you the $5 million question because this is, you know, where, this is where it comes, this is where we go. Let's say you got $5 million dropped in your lap. You don't have to pay it back to anyone. There's no strings attached. It's just, this is your gift from the universe, from the angels, from whoever, and you can do whatever you want with it. What do you choose to do with that money? Oh, okay. That would be amazing. I would... Okay. I would, I just want to like drink and talk about retail all the time. Like <laughs> this is what I love to do. <laughs> so I would buy this really swanky house that had like a cool bar in it. And I would like host retail parties and I would do like 
retreats at this like swanky house and I'd be serving up fancy cocktails and we would just like get tipsy and talk all things retail. And that is how I would like, because I want to continue, I'd want to continue working. I, I love what I do. And so being able to do it like that would be so much fun and really just helping others kind of build their business in a fun way in like an amazing environment. Yeah. That's yeah. what I would do. That sounds so good. Do you know what kind of cocktails you would have? Ooh, you know, I like, I'm into like the vintagey, like, <laughs> like weird ones. Um, I, I just had a, it's called a lion's tail and it tasted just like Christmas. And I can't wait to like make it this Christmas season because <laughs> it has like allspice in it. So it's got that like cinnamon, like warm, um, warm vibe. I loved it. So yeah, what, I'm into vintage drinks. Yeah, I love that. What liquor is in it? Like, what's the base of a lion's tail? Oh my god! All I know it was like Dram's allspice liqueur was like the main flavor, right? Like allspice liquor. But like, I didn't know that that even existed. I know. I didn't either. Yeah. So, I, fun stuff like that, and then of course, just a good old old fashioned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, classic. Yeah, classic. It's so funny. I live in LA where there's like tons of places where you can buy, you know, artisanal bitters and all kinds of fancy cocktail things. But I so rarely go down that path, but it's such a fun path to go down. Thank you for inspiring me. Yeah, it's so fun. I mean, a good glass of wine is good too, but when it's like this fancy drink with uh, garnishes, I love it. Mm -hmm. So good. Grace, thank you so much for gracing us with your presence today and for sharing all of your wisdom. Um, Where, where can people join the Shopify cocktail club and find more about you and just go get more grace in their life? Yeah. So it's on Facebook. It's called the Shopify cocktail club. Just search for that. Uh, It'll ask you uh, a question to get in. Uh, It's a private group. So it's a really safe place to talk about um, new things and learn how to grow your business. Um, If you do not want to go on Facebook. That is fine. You can also find me at itsgracehayden.com. And if you want to see some examples of the stores that I've built, so it's the bollymarket.us. And then I have one in the camping niche called uh, the chuckboxcampkitchen.com. So you can see my work there. Very cool, Grace. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jamie. This was fun. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Creatives Making Money, and please don't go anywhere without subscribing. My hope is that the show becomes the therapy you didn't have to pay for and gives you all the know-how, confidence, and ahas you need to succeed on your journey. Sharing how you connected with this episode really makes my day, so please tag me on Instagram at Jamie Lynn Jensen and let me know how this episode helped you. Sharing that with a rating and review also helps me reach more awesome humans like you, and I so appreciate it. If you're looking to connect with more listeners and like-minded creatives like you as well, and also with me, please join us in the private Creatives Making Money Facebook group at creativesmakingmoney.com slash group. It's totally free to join. And as always, you can find all important links and details in this episode's show notes available at creativesmakingmoney.com. Do not hesitate to head over there right now and grab all the goodies. And as always, create like you mean it.